Well, welcome back, everyone, to the Whitetail Theories podcast. We are joined again by our co-host, Chris Decker, and we have special guest, Alex Welker, very similar to Wes Welker. Alex runs uh, the Instagram page, which most people, if you're from Pennsylvania, know it's called PA Whitetail. What's going on, Alex? Nothing much. How you doing? Hanging in there. Hanging in there. Uh, It's kind of been a a rat race for me. I've been going back and forth to the show, helping out uh, some partners there and doing the whole trade show deal. So this week's been kind of hectic. Yeah. Speaking of, of the show, Alex, I, I was there myself uh, the other day and I saw a lot of PA Whitetail gear, which is a good <laughs> thing. So you, you must be doing something right, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, I actually got invited to go to that show this weekend, but I was up in Ellicottville skiing at uh, Holiday Valley. So I was unable to go. I had that trip planned a while back. I wish I could have went. Were you gonna uh, have a booth in the whole deal? Uh, I, I, in my mind, I think it sounds pretty crazy to have a booth like that with my brand. Like I, I never really thought that I was capable of doing that. I mean, that could be something I could think of in the future, but I, like. There's brands there. I'm sure there are plenty smaller brands and companies and whatnot, but I'm just not this big hunter, you know, professional hunter or that great at anything in the hunting industry. So I, I kind of feel like I don't belong there. But I, Well, I was going I to know. ask you, at what point when, when you had started – this um did you realize especially with the merchandise part of it like this is a serious deal like you know if you were to go to the 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 show and you're walking around and maybe no one would recognize you but you could see your merchandise on people walking around right that's got to feel pretty special yeah that is i was actually going to ask my buddy if he saw that anything you know any pieces of apparel there of mine but uh so I started the page, what, five, maybe six years ago. Well, what, hold on, hold on here. Hold on here. Before we start okay, talking sorry. about PA Whitetail. No, it's all good. Let's let's talk about you a little bit. Um, I'd like the audience to kind of get to know the person behind the page. Because uh, you, have, you have the brand there, but probably a lot of people don't really know you per se or, or know a little bit about you. So, like, let's start there. Like, when did you get into hunting? And, like, why did you get on, into hunting? That kind of deal. Okay. So, I have been rifle hunting my entire life, since probably since I was 10. And uh, I never really picked up, picked up a bow until well, probably 2016. And I'm 26 years old. So, what? That was probably when I was 20, believe it or not. And uh, when I started bow hunting um i I was i remember sitting or sorry i'm getting off track (laughs) so i started bow hunting six years ago and every year i have begun to like be more and more obsessed with it and uh it's just something that i i honestly don't care to take out my rifle anymore because i'm so deep into bow hunting like if i don't fill my tag 
I know it sounds pretty crazy, but if I don't fill my tag in the bow season, I'm not like too determined to go out with a rifle. I normally take my bow out and it's nothing against rifle hunters or whatnot, but I just think the challenge obviously is a little bit tougher and when late October and early November come in, that's like when I want to be in the woods. And I've also started to uh, muzzleload hunt with a flintlock. My fiance's father has gotten me into it, and us three go out quite a lot. So, believe it or not, I met my fiance through this page. Really? Right. Yes. So, um, she ended up following the page and then followed my kind of crazy to think about, but she followed me on my personal page and we began talking and whatnot and ended up taking the shot and going to meet her an hour and 45 minutes away. And, uh, um, yeah, so it started from there and we're actually getting married this September, which is pretty crazy and exciting. That's so, awesome, man. Congrats. Yeah, That's congratulations. Awesome. So, so you slipped right into that, those DMs, right? Slipped right in there. Well, it, was actually, it was actually like mutual. I forget who even started it, but yeah, that's because she made, she took the chance to like follow me and, you know, start, I don't know. It's, I hate saying how this, how it happened, but like, you know, it's, it's today's world. And yeah, ever since then, um, we did that commute and she's a huge hunter too. That's what's nice. the best about it. She actually hunts more than I, not more than I do, but just as much as I do and likes it as much as I do, which is awesome. No, nah, man, that's a really cool story. Uh, would you recommend yeah. for the other, let's say, single single guys out there to start up their own Instagram page and maybe look at connecting with a future wife? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think the odds are very slim of doing that, but... Uh, it definitely gives you a little bit better of a chance to <laughs> to find the female audience that, that does actually enjoy looking at deer pictures every day on Instagram. There's not too many of them, but it's it's nice when you find one. No, for sure. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. That's that's a really cool story. So uh, kind of as you like started growing in your, your hunting endeavor, your hunting career, if you will, uh, What's something that you wish you would have known, let's say five, five years ago that you know now? Um, the biggest tips, like I ask, I talk to hundreds of people a week on that page, getting information and tips because there are some amazing hunters and not just Pennsylvania that I talk to. And I would say the biggest tip for for me was to stay out of the woods during the season. You know, don't rush your stands on a bad wind, especially if it's, you know, just getting good. I mean, maybe towards the end of the season, you might want to pressure your stands quite a bit more, but. Um, Quality yeah, over I, quantity. Exactly. You, you have, you need to have, multiple stand locations and i know people have dozens of them but i i have about five throughout 
the season. And if if the wind or condition isn't good for any of them, I'm I'm staying home. But that is definitely something that I I mean, right before the season starts, it's really really tough to be patient because you've been waiting all year to get out there. But that is definitely one of the biggest strategies that has helped me succeed because I I was terrible in the beginning at bow hunting. I was busting deer left and right, but I haven't killed any giant deer yet, but um, I've had two in the past two years that I'm I'm proud to say that I harvested. So Awesome. Well, you know, yeah. in a way, we kind of relate because I didn't start bow hunting until later in life as well. And, and Torn and I talked about this a few weeks ago, and um, you're right. It's, it's addicting. And when you're out there, uh, rifle season is so much different. And again, we talked about it, but I'm a lot like you. I started later in life. I, I think you may be bow hunting a little bit longer than me, actually, but it's uh, I have no interest anymore as well. I want to be out there in the woods during archery. So I think that uh, there are a lot of people like us in that sense. Um, once you pick up that bow, it's hard to put it down. Yeah. And uh, so... I know you asked about my personal life and whatnot. I didn't really, I should have started from the beginning, but I grew up in Lawrence County, Newcastle, Pennsylvania. And now I live a little bit more east and near Zillian Opal. So I, I hunt in Butler County and Lawrence County. And, uh, what were you going to say? That's some, that's some really good buck country up there. It is very, it's, what's nice is I know a lot of people hunt in the real big woods in central PA and I hunt on smaller tracts of land between 10 and 100 acres with, with housing and whatnot around it. So Mm -hmm. it kind of helps you, you know, dial in on where the deer are staying. Like I was just out behind my grandma's house this morning shed hunting and it's probably 15 acres and there's only four or five spots where I know they bed. So that's where I was kind of snooping around today, but the snow is so deep. I'm sure there's probably a couple sheds underneath, but, um, and to add on to my everyday life, I work for a paving company called Lindy paving. It's, it's a giant paving corporation corporation in western pennsylvania so for the pavers out there we know they know that i get laid off we get laid off for a couple months in the winter Mm -hmm. and occasionally when we have slow years i i'm one of the first ones to get laid off because they know how much i love bow hunting so sometimes i have most of november off nice (laughs) which is tough to beat yeah, no, for sure. I mean, if you're going to get laid off or if you have to take off at some point throughout the year, I would think November is probably the ideal time to take it off. Yeah. So um, I want to kind of talk about that a little bit. You you mentioned how you kind of are um, hunting like the back 40 and, and around houses and stuff. And I, I think especially in Pennsylvania, like outside of like Pittsburgh and, and Philly, that stuff really gets overlooked. So like I've been stressing for a while, one of the big things 
for like if hunters are horn hunting, right? If they're looking for big deer in a wild population, the really the contributing factor to that is age. And in some of those locations, like what you're describing, like bucks have the chance to get old and the correlation to that is just big racks typically. So I, I, I think that's something that often flies under the radar because people are looking for that picturesque in the big timber with the leaves changing and, and bucks chasing does on ridges, stuff like that. But you can really find some overlooked spots and some really good locations in those little back 40s. Oh, yeah, I, I totally agree. I I follow quite a few guys on Instagram who hunt the Allegheny National Forest and whatnot, and the fact that those guys put down 130-plus inch deer in the National Forest, I, I can't even fathom to think of how much work that entails. Yeah. But where I hunt, I mean, I do, I do get out in bigger tracts of land. I have spots, but sometimes half the time I can hear a highway mm-hmm. from where I hunt. Like behind my grandma's house, like I said, this year I had a stand that was 60 yards from 376. And it was the most annoying thing how loud it was. And I mean, I'm not saying that I'm hunting in people's backyards all the time and I know a lot of people have success like that, like the Seek One guys. Their their channel is insane how they how they do that. But I totally agree with you that if if you know where to look, you can find deer that have been sitting in these small tracts of land for years and years. Exactly. So so Alex, you know you're getting pictures from people all over the state of Pennsylvania. So geographically, you know, you're getting a chance to look at some of the the buck uh, that are getting sent to you. So where where do you think, you know, from your experience that you've seen are some of the bigger buck populations, the more mature buck populations being harvested? Well, this correlates great to what Torin just said. Um, 2B or what is it? 2B, right? That's Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 2 you should see how many deer are sent to me around the Pittsburgh area that are 150 plus. I mean, I probably post most of them, but definitely in the Pittsburgh area, there's a guy that I talk to quite often. Um, he killed a, what was it, a 180 or a 190 last year. I posted it. He sent me the mount and everything, and he was. I don't want to get too far into his situation, but there, he has a lot of big, like I'm talking possible 170s that he chases every year that he, he, him and I talk about, which I've only gotten a, a potential 170 on camera once in Lawrence County in the past six years. I mean, I, I don't, I don't have 50 cameras out and that's not saying they're not here, but it's pretty incredible the deer that there's guys that get to chase down there. It it, and then, it really is. It really is. And yeah. and and the fact of like with what you're saying there, like you've gotten one one seventy on camera, like that's an accomplishment. There there's a lot of people in Pennsylvania that go their entire hunting career, like forty, sixty years that have never seen an animal of that caliber. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I only had one picture of him, and I remember it was October 26th um, at like 5 p.m., one picture, and I never saw anything else of him, which show, goes to show how elusive they are. <clears throat> so before we start going down the rabbit hole of the, the page, uh, I kind of want to piggyback off of what Chris said. What is the correlation as far as harvest date? When are you getting sent the most big buck pictures? Yeah, so hmm. I I'll tell you what the beginning of the season obviously is is pretty slow. Um, besides, other than the opening couple of days of rifle season, obviously, mm-hmm. um, I would say late October. And then the first couple of days of November is when I cannot keep up with talking to everybody and checking every every picture out that's sent to me. So obviously, go ahead. Um, Pre rut, and then right in the beginning of November is what I see the most. If you had to pick a, if you based on like the information that you've gathered over the years, if you had to pick one week to hunt, what would it be? Um, personal experience and over, over the page, what I've learned is probably November 5th to the 13th, the 14th, which I'm sure most people would say. Right. But yeah, it's just what I, what in my mind, what I see in like the Midwest and the videos you watch and the whole calling and whatnot i don't i never have had luck too much luck in pennsylvania with calling in a deer calling in a buck but the most the most that happens is in that time frame that i sent you or that i just told you so i i kind of have a theory about like that as well and i'm curious how much this would play a role right so you hear about like the mythical week and let's just say it's the 7th to the 14th. Right. And that's when everybody's taking off their vacation or that's when everybody's taking their vacation are the majority of deer being harvested because that is actually the magical week. Or is it because there's that many more hunters in the timber? Oh, that's actually a very good, very good um, observation. I never really thought of it that way. I mean, because I would say it definitely correlates with it, but I'm I'm sure there's a lot of scientific data, obviously, that says the second week of November is the best time to, you know, to get a mature deer on its feet during the during the daylight. But that is definitely a very good point, and I know of many guys that are always calling off the second week of November. Right. So, because I've I've found like through my deer logs that. I have the most encounters over, I think, I think I've been doing it for like five years now that actually I have the most encounters during the, the 22nd to the 28th of November of October. Oh, okay. But, but the reason that I think that that happens is in a lot of the situations and a lot of places I hunt, there's a lot of pressure and Mm -hmm. I think that's like the first of when does really start popping the first couple does start popping so the bucks are on their feet and it's the timber's not super pressured yet 
Whereas like the further you get into November, the more pressure, the more pressure. And you can actually create like everybody thinks that the rut is like the, you, you. I'm sure you've heard it. It's like the rut was nocturnal this year. The rut was it was all at night. All the action was at night. And how much of that nocturnal rut activity is due to the amount of people in the timber? I would say a very good percentage of it. I mean, it, it all depends on where you're hunting. If exactly. You're, if you're hunting in a in a spot where you got you have you walk through the woods and you see ten stands, I mean, most guys don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. They don't have. I mean, I mean, they do have a choice to where they can drive a half hour to a big tract of public land. But if you have private land that you if you have a big section of private land that's not pressured and you get to hunt it with a couple other guys, you are one lucky dude in Pennsylvania, in my mind. Yeah, for sure. And I have found one I have I have only found one spot that's that's like that, and that's the spot where I've killed both of my deer in the second week of November. Well let, the past let's two not, years, I mean. let's not uh expose that spot so you could keep that to your to yourself. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, Decker, hold up. When did you when when do you see a lot of your rutting activity, and when did you kill your buck this year? So uh, I would have. Oh, sorry, you talk. Oh, my bad. All good. Go ahead, Decker. Asking me. Okay, so that's kind of. Uh, I'm glad you asked that because I was I was going to get ask Alex this, but uh, I it, early November. Uh, November 4th was when I shot my buck this year. And I, and I think there was a a day or two there that I started to see some chasing, um, a little, uh, you know, it's a little different though. And so that's what I was going to ask Alex is, do you think the rut kicks in regionally, right? Different in in different spots of the state, uh, you know, West, South, North, East, um, have you seen any, any of that on the page or anyone talking to you about that? Well, I, I do try to kind of pay attention to that, but it, it has gotten to a point to where I cannot, you know, keep track of it, the amount of people that I talk to, but I, I don't know what I believe. Like, I, I think it, I think it could be different. 20 miles down the road or, or a mile down the road. I think it could all happen in different areas at different times. Right. Because I have one spot in Lawrence County that the first probably 10 days in November, and it's weird because it's normally on a nasty weather day, like like mist, 35 degrees, sleet, anything. I, I see the most buck activity in that stand and then 20 miles down the road near in butler county um the second week of november is when i see everything going on so i i i don't i don't think it i think it varies all throughout the state no matter region i mean i'm sure i'm I'm probably wrong or i mean you can't really prove it but that's just what i've thought in the past couple years no, I mean, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. Like, it does vary from region to region. And it typically, so the way that it works with science is, is that it's based on photo period. But there's some variability there as to, like, when a buck can get to a doe, right? So they have 
uh, a menstruation cycle. And then depending upon when they're bred, they're going to come back into that unless their fawn dies or something else was to happen. Um, so that's where you'll see that variability where you'll, you'll see a doe pop maybe in Butler County on October 22nd. And then like right down the road in the same County, maybe a mile away, you'll see a, a doe won't pop until December. And that's because she was a late fawn from the year before. And it took her that amount of time to get to sexual maturity. Right. So, okay. so are we disproving the first frost, the, the old school hunter first frost theory? Are we disproving that? Yeah, I think I would vote. I would vote no for the, the first <laughs> frost. What about you, Alex? I have honestly never really, I mean, I've heard of it a couple of times, but I never really thought of the first frost being a trigger, but I'm, I'm not sitting in my, on my couch waiting for the first frost in the morning. <laughs> That's a good point. I'm just going, I'm just, I kind of make points in my mind in my different spots to, I mean, these, like if you, if, it, if there's an old timer that has hunted the same spot for 40 years, mm-hmm. that guy could probably go out and kill a buck every year in that spot because he knows everything about it. And it, and it seems to stay relatively the same each year. So if you have, if you're like a new hunter out there listening to this, and I'm, I'm a new hunter, but if you just picked up a bow last year, get a spot that, that you, that there aren't too many guys around. Keep looking and knocking on doors and move around that spot. And when you find something that works, try that every year. Put, put a note down in your phone about when you saw what and just keep trying that and you'll learn how they move and what they do at what times in that spot over the years. And I think that's how people become consistent every year killing big deer. And that's what I've been working on. I'm still far from it, but I think that's very crucial to being successful. So that's a, that's a great point. And, and I know that you had mentioned to us earlier that, you know, you're going out shed hunting today. So is that something that you'll do today? Uh, you know, or when you go out in the off season and you're scouting, keeping notes, right? Writing things down. Is that something that you, you'll continue to do even in the off season? Yeah. So shed hunting is something that I haven't really done a ton in the past. And I, I've talked to many guys about it and some of them say, don't do them in your good spots. Don't go lugging through their bedding areas every week or every two weeks. But I did it today because of the snow and it's so easy to, to track where they're moving and what, what paths they're taking to food. And I'm kind of taking mental notes um, shed hunting right now to maybe help me in a situation where I haven't filled my buck tag and it's late season and I'm taking mental notes to see kind of where these deer are moving when it's cold and when there's snow to maybe give myself a better shot. But um, I do not do like, since it's not a giant tract of land, I don't really map it out. I kind of just have an idea of where they're walking and what they're doing. Right. And, and that's, um, you know, again, and, and 
I started to shed hunt when I got involved in the archery season more and more. And I, I think it was a way for me to, you know, hunt in those locations the next, the next year. Right. You know, if I, I always felt like if I found a shed there, then I was in the right spot. So I think it's important, um, to at least get out every year and, and, uh, you know, and try and scout this this way we don't we don't have any snow here right now alex so i don't know if you're a little jealous of us or not we have no we have no snow here in central pa wow well yeah today i'm definitely jealous because i was walking on this sheet of ice under on top of probably six inches of snow and i felt like if i was 10 pounds lighter i wouldn't have had to break through the snow every single step so it my shed hunt only lasted about two hours today. <laughs> so uh, let me ask you too. Um, I know that when I was, you know, trying to go through your posts a little bit on Instagram, and, and I and I saw that you were in Ohio. Was it last year? This year, hunting Ohio. The past two, the past two years, I have been trying to, you know, nail down a spot on public land in Ohio. Right. Um, I have bought the the tag the past two years, and my my goal my main goal is to kill a deer a buck here in October, and then have a couple weeks in Ohio to go and give myself a better shot. But it hasn't worked out like that. It's been like the end of November, but I have been trying. Everyone wants to go to Ohio and kill these giant deer, which yeah. I know it's I know it's way harder than it sounds but um yeah i i've just been kind of it's i'm not going more than an hour west of where i live and you know near Lawrence county so i'm not going too deep into ohio but it's definitely one of my goals to get you know a spot nailed down and and have success in ohio right so can I mean, I guess you could kind of talk about a little bit. I know that it's, uh, you know, it's not terribly far away, but it's still a different region, different area, different state. So can you kind of talk about uh, some of the differences um, at, from what you've experienced so far in the last couple of years? Yes. Yeah, so obviously the terrain is, there's barely any hills in Lawrence County where I, where I live. And I only went an hour west into Ohio, and believe it or not, there was actually a, an awesome kid that messaged me on my page and gave me two areas in this public public land section that I was hunting. And he said, listen, I don't know if you'll trust me or not, but if you want two spots that I loved, but he moved to Michigan. He said, if you want these two spots, not like – direct pin locations but you know it's a certain diameter and this year i went in and it was almost two miles back but two miles in ohio is way different than two miles in pennsylvania where i live and i was thinking to myself how the heck am i getting this deer out of here if i kill it <laughs> because some of the you know the the valleys and what I whatnot I had to walk through was pretty wild, and I personally have never quartered a deer and packed it out myself, which is something I 
I'm kind of planning on just learning as I go and doing it on my own when it happens. But that was definitely what needed to be done in Ohio if I succeeded this year. So that is the main difference that I saw. We'll kind of, you know, we'll, we'll kind of get into the, the page a little bit now because, um, you know, obviously I'm interested in it. Um, maybe you could kind of talk to us about why you decided to, to do this because, you know, you just brought up a good point that, you know, you didn't really know where to go in Ohio, but some someone had reached out to you about where to go. So networking through social media and I know Torn and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. That's why the service side app is so important because it allows you to network, ask questions, and learn new things. Um, so for you, you know, starting kind of starting the page, you know, what 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 light went off when you're like, you know, I'm going to do this. Um, there was actually a page on Facebook. I don't know if you guys. I don't know if they're still going or if you guys follow them, but it's called, it was called PA Rut Report. Mm -hmm. And when I first started, I found myself checking, like I had no idea what I was doing. I was checking that page to see when people were, you know, seeing movement or seeing rut action. And now that I know it doesn't even matter where the guy down a couple counties over is seeing action but i thought to myself there isn't a page like this on instagram and i i have used instagram for quite a while and i kind of knew how it worked so i was like i'm i might as well I, I was sitting in my tree stand and i started this page really and uh yeah my first year of bow hunting i i started this page and i was like i wasn't expecting anything out of it maybe a couple hundred people over time to follow it and I'm not the biggest you know personable person on camera so I have a little bit of trouble you know incorporating myself during the hunting season on it so I've been trying to get into that slowly but that page kind of ins inspired me to try it out and I believe five, six years ago, there wasn't many Instagram pages in Pennsylvania that kind of logged or kept track of what's going on. And I knew there's almost a million hunters in Pennsylvania. So why the heck isn't there a page on Instagram doing this? So I believe after I started it, it started to kind of inspire other people to do it in Pennsylvania. And I know there's dozens of them now. Yeah, no, for sure. There, there's something to be said about uh, having that idea first and then, um, I guess, being second to the table. But that that's that's interesting that you had the foresight to basically showcase Pennsylvania whitetail hunting. I, I, I think that's awesome. Uh, I want to follow up your response kind of with, outside of just the showcasing aspect, uh, what what else are are your goals? Were your goals then, and then what are your goals now for the page? Um, it'll always be kind of my goal is to to make a community like a big group of people that get to share all their stuff in front of you know thousands of people. And I remember I caught 
is kind of off the track, but I caught my biggest bass like a long time, eight, eight years ago. And I sent it into a page that had 10,000 followers and they posted my picture and I was losing my mind. It was like a six pound bass I caught at a golf course pond. And I remember how excited I got for that. And I believe that that's what happens. I, that's what happens with every single buck that I post on there. Mm-hmm. I'm making someone very excited and hopefully even determined to go do it again. I mean, I don't want people to think like, oh, I got to go, I got to go out there and hunt and kill a big buck so I can post it on social media. But I definitely think that this page could have drawn the attention to a lot of younger guys that see that success in the woods happens in Pennsylvania and that they can do the same thing. I really think that it has drawn more attention to hunting in Pennsylvania in a smaller sense, but I think that, you know, a good chunk of younger people are getting into it because of it. No, and I think you're spot on. I think you kind of underestimate yourself there as far as like what your goals are and, and like your inspiration, because you, I just know within like my circle of friends, without a doubt, I would say weekly, somebody's talking about a buck that was on PA Whitetail. Yeah, I yeah, agree. I mean, oh, sorry. No, no, um, I agree. It's it's um, you know, I I I started following you because of friends that I knew that followed you. So you know, it's just you know, full circle. Here here we are talking to you, and it's it's fantastic. But uh, yeah, I mean, you've done a great job with it, and you could you could tell uh, you know the joy on something. First of all, it's awesome to shoot a, a buck, right? It's a great feeling to harvest an animal, and but you could it's you know, you could see the joy on their face, you know, when they're, when they're in the pictures, you know, and, and, uh, I think that's a special part of social media. I think that, you know, allows other people to say, Hey, this is, this is a, this is awesome. You know? Yeah. Um, so let me ask you quick, you know, what, what sort of criteria, because you're getting flooded with pictures i'm 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 sure um you know what sort of criteria do you have for what you want to actually put on the page um well obviously as a page you want to have the most interaction with the post and if any section of this podcast is the most important for people that follow this is this what i'm going to say right here I don't go around picking favorites and, you know, leaving like leaving people's messages unread just because I don't like them. I mean, I get it so much about how I'm mistreating different people and whatnot, but I, I like to find, you know, older guys, kids, big deer, you know, different, like if I posted everybody's, seven point they killed not that it matters but if i posted every average deer uh i wouldn't have a page like if i posted 200 times a day i wouldn't have a page people would be like this is getting ridiculous i'm getting out of here so i need to pick and choose 
what's going to help grow the page and what people want to see every day. Like it's, it's, there's a fine line and I think I have mastered it pretty well to putting what people want to see in front of them on the page. So it took me a while to, to kind of figure it out. And it also took me a while to not care that people were bashing me because of all this, but that's kind of what I'm looking for. Well, I'm glad you brought that up and and it's, I'm glad that you could use this platform. You know, we call them, what do we call them? Trolls, social media trolls, right? So Mm -hmm. I'm glad that you could use this platform to express that. Um, I think that's also important. I think that you're a sincere, genuine guy. You like to see people happy. You like hunting. You're, you know, you're part of the industry now with the merchandise. And I think it's important for you to, to express that. Yeah, I totally agree. It's, there's definitely a fine line between it, but at the end of the day, I just think to myself, it's just a stinking Instagram page. Like these people have any problem with it. They can just go find another one to follow. It's not. Right, not the end of the world, or just unfollow it. Right, I mean, exactly. it's, it's it's the easiest thing for someone to do is just press unfollow. But yeah. I, I would I would say it's not just any stinking Instagram page, though. I I would say it's a pretty popular one. I mean, heck, you have Cam Haynes following you. Yeah. So that yeah, that I've had to get some followers. Did you really? That's I've awesome. Actually, I've actually had a short conversation with him um, on Instagram before, but yeah. I've, Along with Levi Morgan, he's he's my favorite guy in the hunting industry, and I've actually got to talk to him, and his brother helped me make one of my designs on my t-shirt, which was freaking awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a really cool story. Yeah. So how how did yeah. those how did those relationships and, and like I got a couple questions here. So <clears throat> here's a prime example of one of the benefits of social media. You hear nowadays like how bad social media is, how bad social media is, and it's ruining hunting and all the negatives. But like, here's multiple examples of what is good about social media. So why don't, why don't you, let's, let's dive down that rabbit hole a little bit and kind of talk about some of the, the good that you've done with your page, the interactions that you've had with, with people that you never thought you'd be able to have conversations with that kind of stuff. Okay. So those two examples are are good ones that just in my just for me to talk to two of the top guys in my opinion in the hunting industry just to get a chance to even have my name on their phone just talking to them which was which was awesome but as I began to notice notice the amount of people that follow this like last year I don't know if you guys follow too too closely but i did a a um what is it a fundraiser um for a young boy in my area who he's still fighting brain cancer i I, i've been following his story for years and no matter how much money a family has um i can't even begin to think of how much money it would cost to fight cancer and just the pain the whole family has to go through so i 
started a fundraiser um, raffling off a knife that um, the guy, his name's Shea Butler. He's from Illinois. I met him. He makes my hats. And he also makes really good hunting knives. So I raffled off a hunting knife on there and raised four thousand dollars for that Dang. for that kid and his family to, you know, help out just a little bit. And I've noticed that I can do those every year. And that's probably the best thing I can do with a page is help out, you know, other people with the amount of following that I have on there. So it's definitely the highlight of what I've done so far. I've met many very like beginning beginner hunters that need simple information, you know, just to get going. And I've taken my time to try talking them through with the knowledge that I've learned from everybody else. And that's also another thing that I like to do. And then lastly, I donated like 200 pounds of venison to the homeless shelter in Newcastle. I did that like two years ago. And there's ideas in my mind going constantly about what I can do with this page. And that's one thing that I want to keep doing and keep the ball rolling in that area. Yeah, no, that's for sure. That's super cool. And the, I think the little nuances and stuff like that of like the information helping out hunters, I mean, obviously the raffle that you did, I mean, that's, that's amazing. Uh, but the, the little stuff, like I, I've seen it here with like some of the stuff that I've done with Servicide, like helping somebody potentially get their first buck. You know what I mean? Like that's stuff that goes a real long way. And then the ripple effect from that they're able then to pass that information down to somebody and help it out, help somebody else out that maybe gets their first buck, so on and so forth. So like, don't, and this necessarily isn't geared towards you, Alex, but just in general to anybody that's listening to this podcast, don't underestimate uh, the ability and what it might be for somebody down the road, the ripple effect of helping them out in hunting or just in life in general. Exactly. I totally agree with you. And those are the messages that I look for the most is any, any guy that is just getting into it that needs help or any information at all. That's what's pretty cool about communicating with thousands of people over the, the length of the season and the off season. For sure. Yeah. I, I think, you know, again, and this is just a broad thing but i do see um there's more of an emphasis on uh hunting with military veterans and i think we're really starting to see in the industry um and it's probably through social media thank goodness but i think we're really starting to see veterans get involved in hunting now and there's more of an emphasis to try and get them involved um coming from a military family myself i, I think it's extremely important um as well, I know you guys do as well, but uh, have you seen that, Alex? Uh, I actually have been contacted by a, a guy and his son who run, who actually do hunts in central Pennsylvania for veterans on their farm they have there. And we have been talking recently about maybe doing a fundraiser to help get a specific guy 
from not that I'm secluding other states, but I think it I think it would be so cool for all of us to all donate money to help a specific guy, a veteran that someone knows in Pennsylvania that would love to go hunting on a awesome piece of land. And we have been talking for a couple of weeks about it and that's something that I would really like to get done this year. But that is also another thing that I love to post on my page is veterans. And, you know, I've had a couple 90-year-old guys out dropping bucks <laughs> who were veterans, which I think is the coolest thing that I can post on there, honestly. I agree. That, yeah, that is sweet. great. So we kind of uh, we kind of dabbled in the uh, the good of social media, and with the good comes the bad. Right. So while while I think the good is the most important, I think it we would be doing you and the audience a disservice if we didn't talk about some of the uh, the ramifications to running a page this big, um, some of the the bad things of, of social media. And I want to start out this, this part of the conversation with how have you seen social media change since you started the page? Hmm. That's a good question. Uh, so the, the thing that I hate seeing the most is guys, I guess they're influencers or, I don't. I never want to be in the section of guys who are out taking selfies and whatnot twenty times a day and posting them on their stories and and kind of out there. They honestly look like they're out there just just for the content. Like they don't they don't really care too much about hunting. I mean, I don't know exactly if that's true, but that's why I don't really post myself on this page because I want it to be dialed towards everybody else, the community. And I don't want to be sitting there filming myself in the stand every day, you know, just sitting there smiling, taking selfies and whatnot. I mean, other people think differently about that, but I think it is really that type of, atmosphere starting to catch fire and there's more and more guys doing that and i mean do whatever you want but i I want it to be focused on hunting and learning and getting out and not worrying about your phone and whatnot because um dang sorry i forget what i was gonna say but no no i'll I'll help you out here because i i think you're onto something here so you want it to be real. You don't want it to be fake. Whereas like exactly. in some of these other situations, you can tell, or at least you can assume that it's fake. And my, like my, I've always raised the question. One, if you're a hunter, you're the one spending like your dollar bills on stuff, right? So I think most hunters can tell that that's fake. So those people that are just in it for the money or just in it for the influence or the followers or this and that, like, they don't like I, I don't see that they're actually getting anything out of it because it's 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 too e- easy to too easy to tell but i mean maybe maybe i'm wrong maybe the marketing that i that i think i see is incorrect and you actually do make millions doing that stuff but what's the longevity 
Exactly. Yeah, what's and the why are you game? doing it? Let's. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of goes against what I'm saying is that I'm posting a bunch of pictures on social media, but I'm not making it for guys to be sitting there in their tree stands looking at it all day while they should be hunting. I mean, <laughs> I look at my phone multiple times when I'm in a stand for four hours, but I, I don't want that to be something that everybody you know, is staring at their phones while they're in the tree stand. I look at it as a way to get away from my phone. I mean, I'll look at it for time and weather periodically, but I, I think that is the biggest problem with social media now in the hunting industry is that everybody is sitting there looking at their phones, especially with cell cameras. I use a couple of them, but... I, I would not be too mad if they banned cell cameras in Pennsylvania like they did in the, the I forget what western state it was, but Utah. It's either Utah yeah, I mean, or Arizona. You see, you'll watch hunting videos on YouTube and these guys are looking at their all their cameras on their phone and they're like, Oh, the big twelves four hundred yards away coming our way. Like I if I was making a YouTube video, I would never add that in there. Because it, I mean, I I don't know. It might show that it might get somebody thinking that we're sitting there watching all these deer on a surveillance camera, and it's that easy to do, and it's not. Right. But, it gives them I mean, a lot of perception of hunting. That. Exactly. There's a lot of people on YouTube watching these videos that aren't obsessed with hunting, and they they don't know what it takes to kill these deer, even if it seems like it's super easy by them saying they're watching a cell camera, I mean, it, it still isn't easy. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. And I think there's something to that. So, like, I've had a couple of podcasts on this in the past, and I've harped on people uh, in the industry that are, like, big-time influencers that bring non-hunters into hunting, but the way that they present hunting is in a fashion that it's, like, this magical mythical thing that like you you, like those there's only a handful of days a season where like the frost is perfect and the sun's rising and you're just getting like these absolutely gorgeous images burned into your brain forever but they depict it as like this is the kind of stuff that happens all the time like how often do you ever hear about like a bad shot how often do you ever hear about um having to track a deer potentially up to a mile like the other things that go into hunting um, the non-beautiful things. And if we don't let, and I'm, I'm, I'm on my soapbox here, but if we don't let people, especially new hunters know this kind of stuff so that they can have realistic expectations, I think we're doing a disservice for them as far as the longevity of them being in hunting and then being on our team. Exactly. I mean, I don't know how big of fans you guys are, but I, I really believe that the hunting public is um, really changed the entire landscape of the hunting industry. And I I don't care what anyone says. I love watching their videos, and I really think that they are genuine and want to show what hunting is, especially on public land. They're, they're showing when they miss hit a deer. They're showing hunts where they don't see anything. You know, I think that they are the pioneers of a, of a different 
section of hunting industry that I that I love. I, I think they really have changed the game, and there's multiple other guys that do the same thing. Yeah, I think that it was. It's good that you brought that up. Miss hit a deer. I mean, I think that's the part of hunting that is the most raw emotion when you wound a deer uh, and you never find that animal or if you just if you miss I mean we've all done it and you know it's a mistake that we're all going to make in the woods but there is a raw emotion to that just as much as there is when you harvest an animal you know it's um when you I'm glad that they do show that aspect of it because that doesn't happen a lot on on uh, the YouTube channels or, or TV because it's 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 devastating. Yeah, it, it actually happened when I first started. It was my second year of bow hunting. It happened to be twice in one year, and it was it it really made me think of like what the heck am I even doing? You know, I, I really need to change the way I hunt and the what the shots that I take and. People don't, like you said, people don't realize what it's like out in the brush by yourself for 10 hours a day looking for this deer that, that you want to see so bad. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to, you want to harvest and you want to, you want to take home with you. And everybody knows that is the worst part of hunting. And it can be narrowed down if, if you take your time and learn shots and, you know, get get to be a better bow hunter but it happens to everybody and it it really makes you want to quit sometimes it it really does yep it really does and and the like you kind of mentioned before the the passion of bow hunting is what keeps you going back but i know i know quite a few people that have gotten out of the compound bow and switched to a crossbow for that exact same reason or have gotten out of archery in general because of that exact same reason they couldn't they they just can't handle that other aspect and that other realistic aspect of of what bow hunting is yeah um i mean i don't blame those people if if they have a span in their hunting career where they they can't get it done and they can't live with the fact that that deer probably died slowly out there and you never found them i mean go ahead and pick up a rifle or a crossbow. I mean, I'm not, I really don't care for crossbows and I'm not going to get into that. Everybody knows that debate, but if it really is bugging you that bad or you're having that bad of a time, do what, do what's legal and do what's best for you. Absolutely. All right, Alex, we're wrapping or we're getting to an hour here. Is there anything that um, you want to touch on before we hop off? Uh, I guess just to say, I don't, I don't know who all is going to hear this, but if if you have any ideas for me with my page of, of ways that I can go or people that I can help or any of that, feel free to message me and we can talk about it. I mean, now is the perfect time to get a hold of me because it's pretty dead on Instagram right now in the whitetail space, so. If anybody has any questions or ideas or anything that can help me further my page and help people, I'm totally open for it. So 
Good. And, and uh, you know, once this will get released and, 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 you know, hopefully you'll be able to let all your followers know, hey, look, here's, you know, great conversation that I've had with Torn and Chris. And, and you know, this is kind of a, a plat- an extra platform I'd like to use uh, because, you know, I go through your page and I don't see you many times and there's no voice to the to the name. Right. So this gave you an opportunity to be able to talk about yourself. And I think that's important. Yeah, and one more thing. So I know people don't really – there's a lot of people I know that follow me on there that, you know, from my area, but I'm not doing this for the brand. I'm not doing this to sell as many sweatshirts or T-shirts as I can. I just know that you guys like the design and like the clothing. I'm not on there posting every single day about – me selling stuff i just know that you guys like it and that's something that i just wanted to incorporate so i want to keep this page about you got about the, the hunters in pennsylvania and we can continue to grow together and uh, i just want to let you guys know that i'm not no professional hunter sitting here on this page i'm i'm learning as i go like you guys are so i think it's pretty cool that we all get to do it together so um that is one thing I wanted to tell people on here because I, I've gotten plenty of messages, you know, the trolls telling the trolls. me that I'm, yeah, telling me that I'm just in it to sell sweatshirts or whatnot. Like, what, definitely not my plan. So, how many how many messages a week would you say or a day do you get during like the peak of hunting season? Because I think that's something um, for the audience to really understand because like you said sometimes you may not get back to somebody uh so on and so forth that way they can understand actually what you're going through because you're just one guy managing this correct yeah yes uh i would say on the heavy days it gets up to two to three hundred different people message me in one day (laughs) and it's really tough to go through and then wake up the next day and try doing it all over again while I'm trying to kill a deer myself. Exactly. <laughs> so that gets, I'll tell you what, by the end of November, I want to just throw my phone away and get rid of Instagram because it's that, it's that tough, but it's, I'm not saying it's no crazy hard job, but if I don't get back to your message, that's, that's what's going on. I'm trying to kill a buck myself. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that, man. You're a hunter just like all of us, so we we totally appreciate that. So, Alex, where can the where can the listeners follow you? Where the, can they get uh where can they get a hold of your community? So, I have a an Instagram page, pa whitetail, pa underscore whitetail, and I my fiance actually started the Facebook page, and. I don't know what the future of Facebook and Instagram holds because I don't think it's going in the right direction. But if you want to get a hold of me, just type in PA Whitetail on either Facebook or Instagram and just send me a message. I will we'll get back to it within a day or two because I, I still check it daily. All right. But, yeah, that's how you get a hold of me. And I'll make sure I have the links for Alex's, uh, for PA Whitetail's, Instagram and Facebook in the show notes. So the audience will be able to find it there as well. Alex, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to hop on and uh, 
and do this podcast. Yeah, it was my first one and I was pretty nervous, but pretty much just three three dudes sitting here talking about hunting and that's what I like. So I appreciate you guys having me on. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Alex, it's uh it's been a pleasure. Um, obviously. Um I you know, I'll follow you, follow me, chat back and forth if you have any questions as well. That's what we're here for, right? So again, it's been it's been great. I think it's important for everyone to know that that uh, you know, you're a genuine person and you're in this for the right reasons. Um, and it's for the, the good of the hunting community. So thank you again. No problem, man. I appreciate it. Nice meeting you guys. All right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into the Whitetail Theories podcast.